And usually when people, they have panic attacks, those are the symptoms they describe. They shiver, they're cold, they're, they need something to cover, they need someone to grab them and hold onto them to assure them that everything is happening. And, and both of these descriptions are that indication that, you know, Prophet was as much of a human as he was, because sometimes we may, you know, yes, he has this exalted maqam and we don't want to drop him from below that, but also to take his take him from a position and to make him into a semi angel. And sometimes that happens. That's not the case. He was also a human. He broke his tooth when a thing, when his helmet, you know, the, 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 the point of the helmet hit is in his head. It got stuck in the skull. All of these things he bled. Right. So this is a really interesting point that Allah is telling us that that when we start with Quran, when you're going to start with Quran, Prophet who had the strength of 10 men was shaken. When we start journeys to transform ourselves with Quran, you're going to be shaken. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to our next episode of Quranic Transformations. And today we have with us Sheikh Ahmed Salim joining us for the first time. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you? Alhamdulillah. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I can't complain. Thank you for taking the time and uh, joining us, inshallah. We appreciate it. So, as you're joining us for the first time, I know this many of the people will be familiar with your work, but. Uh, for those who are not wanting to give an opportunity to briefly introduce yourself and also what are your current projects and where people can find you before we get into the meat of For sure. Uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Bismillah alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillahi wa ba'd. Jazakallah khair for bringing me on to bear. Uh, you know, we only met once in person or twice, yeah. a few times. But alhamdulillah, now we're meeting virtually. So that's hopefully a beginning of many other uh, good things and great things to come, inshallah. Uh, as for me, my name is Ahmed Salim. I can be found on uh, more actively on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, Instagram, if you just look up Ahmed, Ahmed Salim Official, you can look that up. Uh, as well as Instagram, uh, YouTube, if you type in Ahmed Salim, Ahmed with an A, A-H-M-A-D, you'll find a lot of my content over there too. Uh, currently, I'm serving as a resident scholar at uh, Hamza Islamic Center, which is based in Atlanta. And I recently moved from Canada down south <clears throat> and loving the weather, sort of also not liking, loving the, the, the type of clothes that I have because I have to buy a new wardrobe. But other than that, uh, I'm good. Uh, I do regular classes uh, three times a week uh, on YouTube when they're streamed live uh, three times a week uh, after Eastern time after Maghrib. Uh, on Hamza Islamic Center's YouTube channel. So I'm teaching Shama'il, I'm teaching Quranic character, and I'm teaching Quranic stories. So, and then as, as a personal passion, I'm, I'm somebody who focuses more of my time in Sirah and uh, Quran. MashaAllah, tabarakallah, may Allah put lots of barakah, except from you. Zakla, Khasha. So, um, as uh, we discussed, the format here is that we get on, have a discussion about a few verses. The idea is to help people connect with Quran and then take away practical lessons, internal and external, what they can, inshallah, learn and benefit from uh, from Quran. So, we are up at Surah al there today. And, uh, yeah, if you can, inshallah, recite the first seven verses and then we can have a discussion. I'm going to bring the verses on the screen for the audience as well. Sure. 
أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها المدثر قم فأنذر وربك فكبر وثيابك فطهر والرجز فهجر ولا تمن تستكثر ولربك فاصبر so imagine you're reading this right this is your morning reading what have you evening and then you know as you come across these verses uh what comes to you first and then uh, we can discuss a few themes or topics that are here and uh, take it forward from there uh yeah so when a person firstly i think um these verses are one of the early verses that were revealed on prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and obviously this this the first verse itself al-mudathir is talking about none other than prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam but it is talking about a particular state it is talking about a hal it is describing a state of prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the state that is being described over here is something so powerful because sometimes we uh we don't we don't we don't understand what is happening so prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the narrations it mentions that he comes comes back to Khadija radiallahu anha. He comes back to Khadija radiallahu anha. He says, Zammiluni, Zammiluni, Dathiruni, Dathiruni. Cover me, cover me. Uh, give me a cloak, give me a cloak. Or give me a cover, give me a cover. Now, these two statements, coupled with the statement that when he arrived, he was shivering. He was cold. Right? And usually, when people, they have panic attacks, those are the symptoms they described. They shiver, they're cold, they're, they need something to cover, they need someone to grab them and hold on to them to assure them that everything is happening. And, and both of these descriptions are that indication that, you know, Prophet was as much of a human as he was, because sometimes we may, you know, yes, he has this exalted maqam, and we don't want to drop him from below that. But also to take, his, take him from a position and to make him into a semi-angel, and sometimes that happens. That's not the case. He was also a human. He broke his tooth when a thing, when his helmet, you know, the the the, the point of the helmet hit is in his head. It got stuck in the skull. All of these things he bled, right? So this is a really interesting point that Allah is telling us that that when we start with Quran, when you're going to start with Quran, Prophet ﷺ, who had the strength of ten men was shaken when we our journeys to transform ourselves with Quran you're going to be shaken you're going to have some sweats you're it's going to shape your existence it's going to shake you from the within if prophet sallallahu was going through that then imagine you and I so expect that you're going to have those moments where you're going to be like man what am i doing like you you're going to have breakdowns but that's the point of you know this journey then What's after that is an action because you don't, you, you know, allow that paralysis in your life to, to slow you down. So Allah is like, Qum The way you do that is when you get the message and you understand the message of the Quran, you don't sit on your hands and say, I'm too scared. But rather, Qum, stand up. You need to take action. 
So this, the fact that the word qum comes is, is an indication that this action or any form of an action is necessitated for us to come out of these states of panic attacks or depressions or anxiety. You can't be in that state at home all day thinking, oh, I'm so sad. You have to do something with it. Qum fa'andir, go and warn people. Go and warn people. It's a very interesting story that is mentioned. Uh, a lot of the mufassiruns and stuff, uh, Ibn Ishaq mentions it. And a lot of the times what has happened in the recent times, in the last 20, 30 years of our da'wah, is that you know we applied too much of the hadith science onto the seerah. So we devoided the seerah and the science of seerah from a, the ruh that it spared. Now it became like a skeleton. These are the only say hadith, everything else you need to get rid of. And that was not, not how the Salaf al-Salihin understood, especially people at the time close to Prophet Ibn Ashaq and all of these people, like, you know, to to cleanse their books of that type of, and it's like, oh, now we only have the 100 pages of Sahih, everything else has removed. So one of the hadiths that is mentioned in there is a really powerful hadith, which is Mursal. So the narrator doesn't re report it to Prophet Wasallam, but he reports this incident with Khadija. The second time Prophet Wasallam sees the angel, Prophet ﷺ is having a conversation with his wife. And this is so powerful. And this tells you about this whole Ya Ayyuhal Muddathir and why he came to Khadija. He said, Ya Ibn Am. And he was almost a cousin to Prophet. ﷺ from, uh, she was a cousin to Prophet ﷺ from a lineage perspective, from like, you know, two, two uh, grandfathers up. So they were they were so they would they would recognize that. So he said, Come sit on my right lap. Imagine. Khadija, because she's older, saying to her husband, Prophet ﷺ, come and sit on my right lap. So he sits on the right lap of Prophet Khadija. And he, he, she asks, Hal tarahu? Do you see the angel? And he, he says, Naam, arahu. He said, come and sit on my left lap. So Prophet ﷺ sits on the left lap. He says, Hal tarahu? She, she asks him, he says, Naam, arahu. He says, okay, now come and sit in my lap. And I'll, I'll hold you, but you sit. And he sits in the lap of Khadija radiallahu anha. And, and she says, Hal tarahu. Do you see the angel? Rasulullah says, Naam, arahu. Then she takes off the khimar. She takes off the hijab that she was wearing. She had her head covered. So she, take, she took that off. But that tells you the culture that women at that time covered their heads. She, you know, she had not accepted this, you know, like it just, yeah, just, no hijab. <laughs> it just <laughs> happened. It just, so she took the, the hijab off and then Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Hal then Khadija radiallahu anha says, Hal tarahu, do you see her? Do you see him? Or do you see the angel? And Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, La, ma arahu. Hmm. Then she turns to Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he said, Go for verily what you see, an angel and nothing else. Look at the intelligence of this woman. That that you know, if I expose myself, if this is something divine and angelic and godly, it will not be in the presence of exposure. Subhanallah. So these things, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Prophet Fakabbir. Now this is interesting. Why Fakabbir? Like, you know, magnify your Lord. Why is so why is that so important? Because most of the time our da'was. It's the personalities that became, become great. Da'wah mm. becomes secondary. So it was so important for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to etch this in there. That in the process of da'wah, 
you shall only and only ever strive to make sure that Allah's name is the most exalted, not yours. I'll tell you that once my sheikh was giving me a book, so he handed me a book and he said, <clears throat> grab this book. This is, uh, you know, a, a book I've written, which is called Al-Ahkamul-Udad Li-Ihkamil-Adad. The few rules that you need to know about the grammar so that you can master the counting. You know, in grammar, the Arabic counting is a very confusing thing. So he wrote like lines of poetry for that. And then he gave me that book. And then as I was leaving, and this is the last meeting I had before I came to Canada, as I was leaving, he looked at me, he grabbed the book from my hand. He said, he, he looked at his name and he said, he said, don't spread my name, just spread the hell. I don't want my name to be spread. La tanshur ismi. Knowledge must be spread. It's not your name that must be spread. Subhanallah. So this is this is what we learn from this hadith as a pondering. That our when we go and warn people and become da'is, the first thing we need to do is make sure that it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is exalted in that. Beautiful. Next part. So, well, yeah, so yeah. just to just to uh, step back on these two themes, and that's a beautiful point. Like you know, I didn't I didn't look at it from that angle. So I'll share with you like what angle I was looking at for the first two. So I think <clears throat> first one is just like as a as a regular nine to five Muslim, right? If you will, a lot of the time we are on that defensive mode, right? Either we are doing our salah, but just doing it into hiding. You know, okay, I need a break, go pray, what have you. And you're trying to practice Islam in a very defensive way. That's probably the stage one or what have you. And then the secondly is that something that you can do it openly, right? I think Khabib mentioned that like from, from his interview that, you know, I see a lot of athletes when they get popular, they don't want to be like visibly Muslim, right? So that's the second thing. Are you even visibly Muslim or not? And probably the third stage, which is what's mentioned here is that you don't only just do your thing and make sure that your uh, obligations are taken care of between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, either in hiding, right, under the disguise of I need a lunch break and you go and do your prayers or what have you, or you're actually visibly doing it, uh, you're not shy about it, and then, you know, you're taking care of your concern about the rest of the humanity, you know, the message that has been given to you, as you mentioned, once you uh, have exposure and understanding of Quran, you can't just be sitting on it, right, you do care about people and you do want to share with people, obviously with compassion and passion and care and love and all that, so I think that's, that's something to think about, you know, for all of us listening and ourselves included, is that which mode are we operating on, right, are we trying to hide visibly Muslim or taking it to the last layer which is to actually be able to share Islam with others with compassion and with care and what have you doesn't need arguments but right? that's not a misconception that, that okay for me to be able to share I need to be able to win debates like the prominent ones I mean with, I'm sure you have seen the same thing there's a huge population who just need to know the message the narrative the story uh, of Islam and what I was thinking about from what Abbaqa Fakabir part um, is that as we get involved, like, you know, for those of us who are involved in either dawah or community projects, you know, whether it be activism, charities, what have you, uh, a lot of the time mm -hmm. is that you start neglecting on that vicar aspect. Right? You're like, okay, well, I have a bigger concern to take care of. Now your sunnahs are affected, your personal Quran readings are affected, your vikr is affected, right? So that's another angle, uh, you know, tied to you, what you mentioned about making sure that we're not calling to us or our organizations. It's about, you know, the name of Allah or the kalimat Allah that's being uh, raised and not just be about us, right? Or as you said, like, you know, spreading so, so that. that so so here, here's, here's how that, that understanding will not stand mm -hmm. from the gra grammar of the verse. And, 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 and this really interesting point that you mentioned, right? So so the tadabbur, so here's how interesting. An average person can make yeah. that tadabbur and there's absolutely nothing wrong in that because you don't change the meaning of the Quran. 
but then I, I just want to I want to just explain that to the viewers so mm -hmm. they understand that. Technically, the the word qum fa'anzir that wow that comes after is ma'atuf. It is actually connected to so fakabir. The statement that Allah is saying that magnify your Lord. It is linked. Saying, Stand up and warn people and make sure that Allah is the magnified in your warnings. Yeah. So it's connected to that. So at all of these next five things, they call it the khamsa wasaya. They're all connected. When you're out there and giving da'wah and you're warning people, you got to be dressed well. You can't, you can't, you can't be like, you know, shaggy clothes and going like, subhanAllah, you see this in the dua sometimes. You know, their, their clothes are not ironed. They're showing up for khutbahs and like, I'm like, who, who, who hit the truck? Like, who hit you with the truck, man? Like, you know, purify your clothes. The word in, in, in actually, if you go into the, the tafsir of it, there are so, so many Aqwal about If I remember, there's like seven aqwal of what Can you imagine? Like this is this is just crazy. Seven different opinions about the Sahaba and the Salaf that thing, you know, uh, that that your your clothes have to be clean. For example, number one, you shall not be involved. Your character shall not be involved with Masiya. Number two, that your clothes should be made out of the pure material. Number three. You should cleanse yourself from all forms of sin. Number four, that you, you know, uh, make sure that your hearts are cleansed, and and the list goes. So a da'i, a person who gets up for for giving da'wah, has to have all of those characteristics. Characteristics. I don't know how much time I have, but in the pre in, in the previous, if you go back in history, and somebody wanted to learn deen, right? You know what happens, mm -hmm. right? So. They would, they would send them to a madrasa, they would send them to a zawaya in Morocco, any of these places. You cannot embark on the journey of learning deen right away. So the first thing they're going to tell you is go memorize the Quran. That would take you what? Two years, three years, maybe four, if you're really slow. If you're fast, one year. So after you're done the one to two years, uh, they're observing you. They're observing your character. And then it's not like today's Islamic universities, anybody, any Tom, Dick and Harry can go and learn and get a degree. Nobody cares about the character anymore. So this was sacred knowledge. It was not given to every person. And that is why we have so many confusions because anybody with not even sacredness in them, no good character, no akhlaq, no purity of the heart. I'm not saying people can't change, but I'm saying that right now you have a person that needs to focus on fixing themselves, ends mm -hmm. up going to some university in Medina or Azhar, gets the degree, comes back, and then spoils the image of religious people. Yep. And and that's why this ayah, hadith is so important. This uh, ayah is so important. فَهْجُرْ And Allah is like, make sure you avoid all form uncleanliness. رِجْزٌ You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّهُ رِجْزٌ مِنْ عَمَلِ الشَّيْطَانِ It is rij, it's filth. So stay away from filth. Think, stay away from things that could... Construed your behavior as somebody who attributes to filth. <clears throat> That's very important. Now, it's not today's day and age. Oh, <clears throat> who are they to judge me? Yeah. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> who are they to judge me? They should stop judging people. No, you should stop behaving so people don't have an opportunity for you to judge. And do not. This is so important. 
do not confer favors i.e tamnun you know tastaksir don't allow a lot of people to have favors upon you mm-hmm. why is that because prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam if you think about it allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took away his mom and dad his grandfather so so that when he becomes a nabi no one no one can say absolutely i have been involved in this person's life from day 1 to bring him into this prophethood state allah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took that away from him so the first 6 years was the mother then it's uh, the another 7 years is his or first 8 years is his grandfather then the rest of the <coughs> 25 years is rough time with uh, ali ibn talib's uh, <coughs> ali ibn abi talib's Abu Talib's, you know, Ali bin Talib, Abi Talib's father or his uncle, he spends 23 years, 24 years working and not having enough food. So no, and then, and then he becomes a Nabi. Why? Because basically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not wanted anybody to come and say, look what I produced. Right? It's like nobody can claim that about Prophet ﷺ. He didn't even have a teacher. And that's, one of the key things of a da'iyah that you do not if you're in the field of da'wah and if you're in the field in general the rule is do not allow people to have favors upon you shall great and i think just like allah khairan yes so i think this is really a great point like just to as you mentioned like not be just seeking favors from people and what have you and um, i think a different angle here and which is also like supported here in with the translation and also i think we mentioned this in in the beginning uh, or whatever our approach but as we are reflecting it's not about okay this i has this particular hukum or fiqh rule but what have you as you doing this to the board it is reminding you of other aspects of the religion that you are already uh, familiar with and uh, this is an angle that uh, you know dr mahsin khan they also bring it here regarding i think what also happens many times people start doing worship right they're like okay i'm praying i'm doing this i'm doing extra fasting etc hajj what have you but i still have xyz problem i still have like financial problems or relationship problem what have you why is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not fixing it is it as if you know subconsciously they're having this sort of dialogue and thinking that i'm putting in input but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not rewarding me and you that sort of have this sort of transactional uh, mindset or vice versa like on the opposite end okay i'm not praying or i'm not doing enough so i should not even make uh, dua to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala i think that's another um, angle to to look into uh anyways to, uh, to come so which, yeah. which 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 ayah which are you uh, connecting for the, to the tam wala tam nun there right so doing the deeds of okay. obedience for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Okay, uh, and it. you know connecting it. it with the reward inshallah so maybe let's address the last theme of these first set inshallah about the importance of patience and discipline and the whole mindset of like you know immediate returns and instant gratification that we are facing in today <laughs> now allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have said over here wala tamnun tastakthir fasbir mm. be patient the ayah would have been enough it, you know allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the ayah would have been enough But Allah Subhanahu wa Taala interjected this thing is wali rabbika fasbir. <clears throat> so there's a difference. Mm-hmm. You are patient because this person is going to be nice to you after he's been harsh to you. Many sisters are patient sometimes in their in their marriages with the hope that hopefully their relationship will get better. Many brothers are patient in their marriages hoping that sister will get better. Those are all forms of patience and a person gets rewarded for. but when you are in the state of da'wah when you are out in and 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 this is in specific is talking about a da'i or people who are explicit or implicit da'wah both right you being muslim and allowing other people to know you're muslim is da'wah 
yeah. everybody's observing your behavior or you are explicitly in the form of dawah like me or yourself that you're 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 doing some form of activism towards that in all of these cases we should never seek gratification or favors from other people now when we don't seek gratification and favors from other people people get upset but like i'm trying to do you a solid and you don't want this what's wrong with you i'm trying to help you brother why do you want you why don't you want this what's wrong with you and then obviously relationships um, get messed up. The second thing that happens, which is also really, really important for us to understand, is that oftentimes people start calling, saying, oh, look, 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 I've got favored on this guy. I got him this job. He's here because of me and all of these things. Those things, they come and hurt us back. And when that happens, when those Words of people, they come to you like arrows pointing at every single existence of yours and your mission. And they are becoming the shield that stops all of your progress. And there are these arrows that stand in your way for towards the da'wah and the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then in that incident, instance, you just stop and pause. And you have patience only for Allah. Not so that you can overcome these troubles. You only show your patience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nobody else. You show your patience to Allah. A really beautiful mentor of mine, he said something so beautiful. He said, you know, <clears throat> and I'll say this in Urdu because it's understandable and I explain it. Uh, you know, he says that, you know, if, you're, if you're, you're having an issue with someone, right? And, you know, and you want that person to be taken care of, right? If that person is not connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then leave it because Allah's ways and Allah's hikam and principles and the way he governs this dunya, you don't need to get worried because Allah is in control and he is the one that is allowing this person to behave this way and Allah will take care of that. Or this person is related to Allah and he has a connection with Allah. Then understand that your little bit of desire to take down that person, to, to overcome him and all of that. If he is a true friend of Allah, for your momentary desires, Allah will not allow and give away his friend to you. So you focus on yourself. Beautiful. Uh, I just wanted to comment as you were as we were talking about this, like you know, uh, people wanting to actually gift you something or do something for you, and you know, uh, and sometimes obviously if you reject it, you know, it, it becomes that sort of discussion there. Uh, I think just to just to balance it out, uh, one example I heard from one of my teachers here, uh, and obviously I think it's just like in anything in, in the religion, you need to find you know figure out that fine balance of like where to draw the lines. So he was saying like, you know, uh, someone from the masjid gifted him something, he's an imam of the masjid, and he doesn't use that thing, that particular product, what have you, but he accepted it and used it just from that angle of that mindset of, you know, it's khalis surur al-Muslim, right, to make, to to bring happiness uh, to a Muslim, what have you, right, just to put that out there that, you know, like this difference between seeking it and then you accepting something with a different intention, inshallah. Yeah, uh, in specific, when it comes to the da'wah, um, and when you are in a prominent position of da'wah, uh, the general rule is that you don't seek, you know, it's, it's highly not recommended. Uh, if you're in the position of power, your power has already done that. Your position has already done that. It is, it is not, no, no, I'm serious. This is a yeah. matter, this is a big problem right now within our yeah. da'wah community because we are not 
we don't want to say no. Mm-hmm. And and Rasulullah if you know the Sunnah, Prophet he would take gifts. If you took the gift, turn it back with twice to that same person. So there was never a favor left upon him. Oh, I gave this guy this this I gave this guy this this car. Look at how what he's behaving right now. Mm-hmm. Prophet would take the gift. So when you're a da'i, I disagree with that. No. You're in the position of power. You're in the position. So many times people come into my office. Sheikh, we want to buy your new table. I'm like, donate it to the masjid, not to me. Right? If the, the masjid administration agrees to give it to me, I'll take it. But it's coming through not to me. It's going to the center. Because it's not me. Somebody donated like the monitor that I have. Uh, they donated a laptop, right? They 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 want they want to do khair, mm-hmm. and I tell them do it, but to the right channel. It's never to the individual; it's to the cause. Right, right. And I don't need so to be aware of that. Who is a donor behind it, sort of thing? Yeah, and when I when those type of gifts come, I always tell because remember the hadith of you tell that person gift it to the masjid because you're only giving it to me because the masjid has allowed me to be the imam. Because remember the Umar radiallahu an son Abdullah ibn Umar he. You know, he crossed Bayt al-Mal and there was this, this section for fragrance. So mm-hmm. when he crossed the section for fragrance, he crossed and he came out. Dad Umar asks Abdullah, like the effect of that touched my clothes. So I was, I, 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 so he, I smelled good. So Umar says, go back and give sadaqah. فَإِنَّكَ إِسْتَهْلَكْتَ You've used something. Or the other hadith, the Prophet said, if he yeah. sat in his dad's house, would have given him those gifts. So he came and said, Ya Rasul, this is, this is zakat, this is sadaqat, these are mine gifts. Right? right? So da'wah, that's, that's definitely not something we should, uh, unless it's a friend of yours. Yeah, right. You give me something, I'll take it. Okay, just like, okay. No, <laughs> I'll take that cat. Oh, there you go. Oh, oh look at that. Hello, kitty. How you doing? Assalamualaikum. So you're officially Abu Huraira. There you go. <laughs> okay, Jazakallah Khair, inshallah. We'll wrap up this episode and see you all in the next one.